We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 280. It's been five days, Scott, five days without Yankees baseball. After you go through the six-plus-month grind of every single day, it's kind of a shock to the system, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's there's parts of me that are that are uh, recovering. I, I guess you could say is, is recovery the right word? It, that you know, my just kind of like getting back into um, regular life besides baseball. So, yeah, it is a shock to the system, I guess, in uh, in in multiple ways. But it's it's very weird that there's still baseball on and that uh, the Yankees are not playing. It's uh, I'm forcing myself to watch some of these games. Yeah, I went to the movies on Saturday night. I was wow. done What's that, that like? in six plus months. <laughs> the last nice. movie I saw in theaters, I think, was uh, the Star Wars movie. So it's been a while since I went to the movies. What did you see this time? We saw the uh, the first man with Ryan Gosling about Neil Armstrong. 
Oh, okay, was it good? It was good. It was a little slow, uh, a little slow at times. But I couldn't, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't. I watched the uh, the Dodgers Brewers game on Friday, and it was a fun game. The, the Dodgers almost came back, and then I watched their their game two on Saturday afternoon. And for whatever reason, I just could not bring myself to put on that Red Sox Astros game. It was almost <laughs> like it was just too close. It was hitting home a little bit too much on that. Um, I'll probably watch a bit of that game tonight, hoping uh, Price barfs all over himself once again. But it was uh, it was hard for me to click on that channel for the ALCS game. I watched Goodfellas. <laughs> I did not okay. watch that game. Was yeah, that I have like uh, an AMC rerun or something. Oh no no no! It was uh, it was it was we. I seeked it out. I went to um, HBO and I found they had Goodfellas and I watched it because Bevan and I were talking and I don't even remember how it came up, but she was like, it came up that she hadn't seen Goodfellas. And I was like, well, we need to stop that. And I don't want to watch this game. I don't want to watch this game. So let's watch Goodfellas. Yeah. And, and that's what we did. So nice. yeah, I watched Goodfellas. I watched, uh, you know, while the Red Sox and the, uh, the Astros, cause I can't really, you know, I don't have a rooting interest by any means. Like I, of course I want the Red Sox to lose at yeah, the end of the that's day, priority but, but I don't one. want either one of them to win. Honestly, well, like they both, they're both like, Ugh. so I can watch <laughs> the national league, the national league I can watch. And, uh, the Dodgers brewers, like, you know, I, I've, I've always pulled for the Dodgers in the, in the national league. And I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Dodgers by any means, but I would say I would pull for them in the national league because of my, um, kid, you know, the, the, uh, Vero beach connections. When I was a kid, we would go down there and they had spring training. Right. So, that was, um, you know, so I, I'll pull for the Dodgers, but the Brewers are fun to watch. Uh, the American League, I really, I just don't care. I, I really, I just don't care. You know what? I, I equated the Brewers. I said the Brewers are like the Rays with talent. Yeah, well, is Milwaukee, a, Milwaukee's a bigger. No, but I'm saying they, they're going bullpenning. I mean, they had Gio Gonzalez start. He went two innings, two scoreless innings. Uh, they're like, screw it. Let's, let's bring in our bullpen here. And it almost backfired because they almost blew the game late. But, but like they have a lot of talent up and down that lineup with Kane yeah. and um, and uh, why am I drawing a blank on the guy? Yelich and Mustakas. Thank and, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's it's kind of a fun team, and they're they're getting hot at the right time. But I don't know. I still think it's going to be a Dodgers Astros rematch. I agree. I think I I think the Astros are too much for the uh, Red Sox to handle. I think they're so deep. Yeah. And their pitching is deep as like the deepest probably in uh, in all of baseball right now for legitimate and, starting pitchers. Yeah. And then they have all the other guys who they, you know, who were in the rotation that are in the back and the same thing they did last year probably and then added some arms where where you know where they're going to be in the in the bullpen as well. So, they're deep and and they can they can throw multiple innings too. So, they're going to be really hard to beat. Plus, their offense. And we, just, but we already clicking. watched them win last year, so that that sort of scar is already created. I, like, fine, they win again. Whatever. Watching yeah. the Red Sox win would be the absolute worst. The Red Sox absolutely must lose this championship series. Yes, that is priority number. I don't give a crap what happens as long as the Red Sox do not advance past this current series. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that. I, I certainly don't want that to happen. Um, at the same time, I will be a huge National League fan for whoever <laughs> yes. comes out because I the, NL. The, the last thing I want is is like you know the talk of some mini dynasty forming with the Astros if they were to win a World Series because that will be that will the, be uh, the next about. narrative absolutely because well, there's yeah. no other team that's won back-to-back since the Yankees I know the Dodgers or excuse me the um the Giants went alternate years but the right. Yankees are the last team to go consecutive seasons winning the World Series yeah, and they're super young. I mean, they have a young team. I know Verlander's getting up there, but it doesn't seem to matter with him. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're position players. They're, they well, have a young team. They do. They're also going to be losing Keuchel and um, 
Morton in the offseason. That's two of their four good starting pitchers. So yeah. this is um I mean who knows? Maybe they'll they'll open up the bank and re sign some of those guys, but but definitely, yeah. Their their core is there. Just like the Yankees core is there, just like the Red Sox core is there. Um, but the Red Sox are kind of more in, like we talked about all season, the Red Sox are more in a win-now mode. Dombrowski's mm-hmm. built it where if they don't win this year, they don't have many years left where they've got Sale, who's at the top of his game, who didn't look great in game one. Who knows? Maybe that uh, eighth inning in game four came back to bite him in the ass. Yeah, I you know, I, I think it did. I think it might have. I just, you know, the when he uh, was pitching against us in um, in game one and when he you know, started breaking down a little bit. It just, it seemed like he was breaking down. He wasn't the same guy in like, what was it? The fifth inning, I think. Right. He he and, looked great for the four or five innings, but he didn't yeah. extend it deep into the game. Like we're normally, like we're used to watching. Well, and that's why I was talking about, like, he doesn't scare me as much because I've, I saw what happened in the, in the fourth, fifth inning. Like he started, he's not all the way there right now. And that's tough when you have a, when you have Chris Hill, who's your number one guy, that's uh that's not all the way there. Like, I, I don't see how you could possibly win a seven game series. Plus, yeah. The, the Astros are a different type of lineup than the Yankees in the sense that they make a lot of contact. Yep. I think last year, I don't know what the numbers were this year um, as far as the rankings, but I'm sure they were closer to the top. But last year, they went from what? Last to first, I think, with um, with contact or, or you know uh, on-base percentage. Like they, they, they had one of the highest um, hits as, as, a, as a team, uh, and, and it was a huge drastic difference because they changed the mindset of the team. They changed the way that they had an, uh, an offensive approach. Yep. And uh, you know they're, they have a lot of tough outs. That, I feel like, just listening to some New York sports radio after the ALDS loss, that was the one of the main takeaways, is that the Yankees lineup is too prone, is not built for the playoffs. They're built for the regular season, damage in the regular season, a bunch of three-run home runs because they're going to get their walks, they're going to hit the ball a million miles, but when you need the base hit with runners in scoring position, they did not come up with it. Uh, the numbers here, I have it, 154, 4 for 26 with runners in scoring position in the ALDS. You cannot win a place a playoff series if you hit 154 with runners in scoring position. No, you cannot, especially when your pitching is not doing anything either. You, you know, you have to get back into games and when you have opportunities to get yourself back into a game and you're not taking advantage of it and your your pitching staff is still, you know, letting up runs, it's uh not not a good uh, not a good approach, not a not a good plan to uh, to win ball games. That's for sure. And also every Yahoo calling up um, on sports radio and also a couple of them posting in our Facebook group trying to figure out a way to get Stanton off the team. How are we going to unload that Stanton contract? That 10, <laughs> 10 years. He's locked in until 2028, people. That is what the Yankees, that was the whole, um, you know, is Jeter gave him up for nothing. Okay, what's, what's the catch? Well, the catch is you're going to be stuck with him for 10 years. Brian, are you okay with that? Yes, I'm okay with that. Well, here we go, people. Like, you can't back out now. He's not going to opt out of that contract. And do you think it's bad now? People think it's bad. This right. is bad? He's 28, like, whatever. He's 28 years old. Um, yeah, he hit, you know, he drove in uh, 100 runs. You know, he, he still mashed the ball. He hit, what, what did he end with, 267, 270, <clears throat> something like that? His like, season was weird, though. Because Sorry, he's 28 years old. His season was so weird because at one point when Judge was out, we were looking at Stan and we're saying, wow, he's actually... Carried the team. the team. He played every day from June until some point in early August. He was hitting over 300 um, for that stretch. He was he was mashing the ball, playing every day. He was a, really carrying the team. And then he just totally disappeared in September. And he did not have a good October. He had He was, we talked about this on the last episode right after the game, but he is the poster boy for the Yankees' playoff failures this year. 
fair or unfair, it's on Stanton's shoulders. I mean, the the he's he's when you're looking at the problem and the um, the the fact that they're not hitting with runners at score position and they're not getting those base hits and they're going for the big home run and you start seeing all these. Uh, these these drastic numbers that just look terrible. Um, yeah, he's he's at the head of it, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, when you have a ten year contract with a, a ton of money like he does, and you have the expectations, of course, he's going to be a scapegoat. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm not I'm not killing the guy this time, uh, and and sending him away. I'm not I'm not saying he's ruined that that we're never going to get any production in the postseason. No, that would be because more, of that would this. be moronic to just. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, people need to relax on the Stanton front in the sense that, like, this guy was still, while he was streaky and it was a weird season for him, at the end of the day, he did put up the numbers. He did carry the team when they needed him um, at certain points. We thought he was getting hot, right? At the end of the year, yep. like, he put together uh, about a week or so that we're like, okay, this is Stanton. Looks like he's getting hot right in just in time for the playoffs. And you know it just didn't it didn't continue into it. Um, but don't but don't you agree the at bat quality needs to improve with Stanton? Yeah, because when he's bad, the at bat quality is terrible. Yes, and, and that's you know the, we've been talking about this. This like I think this was the biggest the biggest thing that I that I had never noticed with Stanton. How could and, you? And I mean, he's never on with the Marlins. All well, you that's see, the problem. All you see is the Sports Center four hundred and ninety foot home run. That's the problem. Everybody on the East Coast, that's uh, unless you unless you're watching uh, casual Mets games as well, and you see some of the Stanton series well, between no, the Marlins and the he Mets. Murdered the Mets when he was with the Marlins. I mean, that dude probably hit 400 when he was playing the Mets. But you're not seeing any of this bad bad stuff from Miami. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing this this massive dude who's putting up you know just ridiculous numbers, and that's what you're seeing. And, and yeah, the the bad times for Stanton, it was like there he had no opportunity. There was no chance. Yeah. And and I think he does when he has when he's struggling because you see this with um even with uh, with Aaron Judge when Judge is struggling he still gets on base well, he, he still, he has still the, makes the pitcher the quality at bats he makes yes. the pitcher throw a bunch of pitches it's a three two count yes he's gonna strike out two hundred times in a in a season if he plays every day but but the at bat quality he is, doesn't look overmatched the at bat quality is on such another level than Stanton that it you don't feel like it's just a complete zero in the lineup. Because if if right. you if you, if Judge is up there and he made made the pitcher throw seven or eight pitches and he strikes out, I mean, no, that's not a positive, but it's also not that much of a negative because at least you're making the pitcher work and you're working towards something. I think Judge's um, recognition of the strike zone is something that Stanton should strive for. He he's not even close. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and even when he has. But see, I don't even think it's just that. There are other opportunities. Like in the beginning of the season, he couldn't hit a high fastball. Like he just could not hit a high fastball. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my eyes that this guy who should be eating fastballs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner can't hit a fastball above the belt. And for a solid month there, he legitimately couldn't. I'll, I'll never forget the, uh, it was uh, Verlander, I think, that when they were playing Houston, just four fastballs. Boom, 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 boom. Or three fastballs. I don't even think he's <laughs> he off. It yeah, was a four strike at twice. bat. It was, it was a different kind of at it, bat. It was just Angel was Hernandez just, was back there. He forgot how many strikes there were. Consecutive fastballs going at him, and he had no chance. Yeah. And he knew it. And Verlander knew it. And and you know when you have a pitcher, and it seems like everybody in the bigs now, or you know every other guy is throwing mid to high nineties. That's a problem if you can't hit a high fastball for you know weeks at a time. Yeah, and his season was bookended with just booze because he had those five strikeout games early. He was booed viciously. 
he stood up to the media and, and he, he was accountable, which I love. Everyone loves that. But then at the end of the year, he's all like the last thing fans are going to remember is that joke of an at-bat in the ninth inning in game four against Kimbrell where he was completely overmatched. And all you yeah. needed to do was get a little old single and the Yankees probably win that game. Right. So Yeah, no, there's – um. I mean – we could we could list off a few of those at bats, not just him that that sure. could have made a difference in that game. And um, yeah, he's a scapegoat. He's a big dude. He makes a lot of money. And again, that ten year contract is driving people nuts because I think people are so salty from the A Rod thing because we've gotten we've already been burned by this. And Ellsbury is currently burning them. So we've been burned by big contract long contracts lately. And you know that's that's uh, it's fresh in people's mind. The only way, as a fan, you have a right to bitch over that contract is if it prevents the Yankees from spending money on other players, which it won't. Which it won't because they have. Uh, we're going to talk about this later in in sort of off season stuff. But they got under the luxury tax this year. That was one of their goals going in. They did it. Now money should not be a factor. They should if they're still using the excuse we don't want to pay luxury tax. Well, well then, fuck you, Yankees. <laughs> like, yeah. like honestly, I am no longer gonna going to uh, understand your stance on. That. I understood it for this year to get rid of the penalty. Yes. That was the big thing. Reset the clock. Going forward, though, you better be paying that penalty. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta spend that money. And, and the only way, I mean, I'm not saying go out and spend it just to spend Don't it. Spend but it stupidly. That should not be a barrier of, of getting a player. You. It should not prevent right. you from getting what you need or what you deem necessary. With within within market reason, obviously. Okay. I'm not right. saying go Don't. out and overpay for somebody just drastically just to get the guy, but with you know with with some common sense attached to this. Sure. But yes. Um, so another thing, and uh, I don't know if you heard Teixeira's comments. I forget what show he was on, but he said Judge made a mistake playing New York, New York at Fenway Park after Game 2 because the series was not over, and that gave the Red Sox bulletin board material. Do you at all buy into this? They did play New York, New York when they were popping champagne after yeah. Game 4. So that was certainly a dig back at Judge saying, hey, we saw what you did. Take a look at this. No, I got no problem with it. It's it's so subtle and just like it's just it's it's just a, such a nice little move. I still like it. Um, I think Teixeira is off base here. He also said something about it. you don't have rings. He kept saying that too. Like shut up, just shut up okay, and let well, them play. Guess what? He doesn't have rings either. He has ring. Yeah, he has he have ring. The uh, I, I no, I still I like the fact that Judge did it. I think it showed a little bit of a, an edge on him. That's something we and haven't was, seen with Judge though. So it was yeah. certainly out of character. Like. I don't even I'm like what player uh, Sanchez. I mean, that's like a kind of like a Gary Sanchez kind of cocky move. Like Aaron Judge, you think of as the Derek Jeter mold. He's not going to say anything to rock the boat. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't even see Gary Sanchez doing like that. But CeCe? I don't know the maybe CC, but I I don't even know who would do it. I could see Luke Voigt doing it for sure. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the I still like it. I, I like the fact that they did it, whether it was bulletin board material or whatever. You know. I think that's overrated a little bit, but I mean, it's, it certainly well, was something they were thinking about and they, and they played well. It's just, you know, the Yankees, the Yankees could have played well too, but they didn't. <laughs> right. So like, do you want it? I think it's foolish to sit here and say, well, the Red Sox came out and outscored the Yankees 20 to four at Yankee stadium just because Aaron judge played New York, New York. Like, no, right. They outscored him because they played better. That's the bottom Correct. line. And I don't even yes. think, um, they're necessarily the better team. I mean, that might sound stupid. They won 108 games. Yankees only won 100, and then they beat them three to one in the, in the division series. But the Yankees, like that series, left such a bad taste in your mouth. The Yankees beat themselves. They wasted those opportunities in Game One. Game Three, 
was a total disaster from manager to did Severino warm up on time to did Severino tip his pitches or not. And then game four, I mean, how, I mean, Red Sox tried to hand it to you and you couldn't take yeah. it. So, I mean, yeah, I like it. I do. I like, I like the fact that judge, you know, I think we saw some, uh, we definitely saw a little bit of a, a different judge this time. And I think maybe yeah. it's because he was out for so long too. And he was a little salty that he wasn't playing and he was just anxious and, and probably ramped up. And I think there's a, um, the energy in the clubhouse is probably a, you know, a little different this year. So, you know, he's, he's definitely taking more of that leadership role. You can see it. You can, you can kind of feel it. Um, and, and you know, he wanted to set a tone and all he did was play a little Sinatra walking out of the tunnel. Not a big deal. <clears throat> yeah. That's, um, but it was great. It was great for that. Cause I mean, we sat there on that podcast after game two, Yankees just bashed in David Price's face and they're going back home where they hadn't lost. Feeling playoff good. Game. Feeling really good about the Yankees chances. And it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, did not turn out how we thought it was going to turn out. Um, so the, the big thing I also, uh, takeaway was Severino tipping his pitches and it seems more likely that he actually was tipping his pitches um athletic the athletic put out a really good article about how he was tipping his pitches and there's two two different things they focused on the second one was a glove placement on his fastball versus an off-speed pitch and on the off-speed pitch his glove placement is slightly lower and I mean slightly because you analyze it with a ruler on an image and it's barely noticeable. I don't know how a batter standing 60 feet away preparing for a pitch could really pick up on it that quickly. But apparently his glove did have a tell onto what pitch he was t- going to be throwing. Yeah, that one was tough for me. The uh, say, go, for, go with the other one and we'll talk about that. Right, so the other one was, was egregious and... Blame on blame Larry Rothschild, blame Aaron Boone, whoever you want to blame in the Yankees organization for not picking up on this. So when there was a runner on second base, Severino would look at the runner at second base. And then if he was throwing a fastball, he would turn his head to third base and pause and then turn his head to home and throw the pitch. And then when he would throw an off-speed pitch, he wouldn't pause at third base. He would just whip his head all the way around and throw the pitch. That is totally obvious to the batter and that is a huge advantage if you know the speed of the pitch coming in I can either sit fastball or just totally spit on the pitch and you know it in advance because it's before he even throws it then I mean that's a giant advantage so a couple of the the um, glove one I mean I I was looking at this image for a solid 10 minutes and looking for (laughs) staring at the things that they were talking about and I'm and I'm it's just I don't see how that could be much of an advantage. I don't see how the pitcher, the um, batter, can can pick that up, especially um, the view of, of where you are. I mean, it's it's hard to to pick that up from uh, from home plate, like, where his where his glove is above or below the belt, and, and it's such a micro fraction of a difference. I, I don't see that as being a big one. The other one, you know, the fact that if there was a runner on second base and he's he's making these very big differences in the way he pauses and delivers the pitch, like yeah, you could set breaking ball, and then if you see the pause, you're you know a fastball is coming. If that's actually the, uh, you know, what was going on, we know that they were hitting fastballs. Um, that also could have been part of the game plan, which I'm sure it was. I mean, I think there's probably a few things here. One, the this has happened before with Boston, right? Like it happened earlier in the season. So we, that's that's we, the, we thought we thought that they were uh, they were getting pitches. So Severino's yeah. been so three times between so his April start when he got hit, apparently he was tipping his slider in that start, and then uh, he had a start in August at Fenway Park, and there were rumors he was 
tipping his pitches after that too. So every single time it's only against the Red Sox. And then on Twitter, I was sort of saying, well, isn't it a little weird that only the Red Sox can figure out these tips? Goddamn Pedro. <laughs> this is Pedro just playing the, the, the double secret agent. Dude, Pedro is coming in to play with Severino, getting him right. And, and, and the whole objective is to get him right to, for, for certain ways and to teach him these horrible flaws just so that he can, they can let the Red Sox know. Because why do they care if, if he does well against everybody else? That would be diabolical. They don't, they don't care. That, that would, would be, be I, I swear to God. Evil. Yeah. They're, so they're like, Pedro's going in there fixing him. They're like, I could fix you. But I'm also, in my fixings, going to put in a couple little wrenches <laughs> that nobody's going to know about except for the Red Sox. <laughs> so you could dominate everybody else. And then when you play the Red Sox, you're never going to do well. You really believe that? Kind of. <laughs> I really want to believe that. I, I feel like it's um, it's it's such a it's, it's a good storyline on their end. Damn, yeah. is that a good storyline? You know, I mean, it's it's what are it's just such a coincidence that you're telling me that Pedro didn't see anything like anything, and then just the Red Sox are picking this up. Uh, well, the thing I'm more mad about is how do the Yankees coaches not fix it? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, if someone else is seeing this, then the coaching staff should absolutely have seen. Both of these problems. So because you know, Boone, Boone talked about it. Boone right? talked he about talked it in about his it. press conference. He acknowledged that at certain points this season, Severino was tipping his pitches and the Red Sox had something on him. So once it happens the first time, that is 100% on the shoulders of Larry Rothschild and the Yankees coaches to make sure Severino does not do it again. Yep. After it happens yeah. the first time, it is, it is all the blame is on you. And, and I think a couple of times we saw Rothschild, I remember talking about this um, during a couple of episodes where he came out at, at like kind of unconventional times to talk to Severino, not in the playoffs. I'm talking about in the regular season. I want to say it was the, the start in Oakland. And it was just a weird because he kind of like just sprinted out of the dugout um, and, and, you know, talked to him. It was and it was early in a game like he saw something and, and, and it was basically, you know, hey, if he did see something like cut the shit, like you're doing it again and and they know it. So I don't know, you know, how how many people uh, picked up on this at some point. The Red Sox obviously exposed it, you know, it seemingly exposed it. I have a hard time talking talking about this as as it's as if it is like a definitive fact. But um, you know, if they if they did see this and they were using it, they certainly exploited it the best. Haven't you thought about that? If you know the other team knows your tell, that you could then mess with the team. And switch up your tail yeah. and and totally screw them. So, like, why don't pitchers do that? Because then you're messing with. Because pitchers are such a routine, you know, such creatures of habit that if you start messing around with like little things in your in your um, within the the you know in your stretch position where you set your hands, I don't know. It could just throw things off. See, I like to think, I think if I was guys, a pitcher, I would do that. El Duque would do that. El Duque would certainly do that. Like like in rounders when when the the Russian dude was was spinning the Orioles. Like if he knew yep. Matt Damon knew about his tell, then he could he could totally mess with them with the Orioles. And just like Severino could mess with them by looking at third base. Like I'll pause at third base and then I'll throw a slider right and buckle you. So it would be great if uh didn't happen that way, but if a pitcher knew, like it's like if you know I know kind of thing, then they could then you could really screw a team. I mean, this happens all the time in, in uh, like military tactics. When, when it's it, there are you know setups so that, that when, when intel is leaked out, so that you try to get someone else uh, into a situation, and and then you can sabotage them, and you can come in and uh, pin them up. So it's a similar situation that like 
leak out some other information. Right. Or just get better and don't do that. How about we, how about we just clean up any tells? How about that? <laughs> so would you agree that tipping your pitches is not smart? I would, I would certainly agree that that is not smart. Not a smart thing to do. Yeah, another thing that's not smart is using your, rel- your relatives to fill in at work while you look for staff. Uh, but you know what is smart? That's going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience to find your job, and actively invites them to apply, so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated the number one employers by uh, in the U.S. Uh, this rating comes from over a thousand reviews, so you know it's legit. Scott, what can people do to try this for free? Right now, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. One more time for good luck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. It's uh, the smartest way to hire. So buried about a half hour into the Boone Cashman press conference on, I believe it was Thursday, Thursday or Friday, was that DD needs Tommy John surgery. (laughs) Oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, Didi Gregorius is going to be out for at least two, three, four months next season because he needs Tommy John surgery on his throwing arm. Holy shit. We know we saw a couple of bounced balls from Didi that was definitely uncharacteristic in um, game. And I four. remember, yeah, in game four. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this is weird. It's not Didi. Why? I, I don't, I can't remember the last time Didi bounced a ball that was, you know, semi uh, routine of a throw. Um, so you know, obviously there was uh, something bothering him. And you, here's one of the things, like the fact that they, he needed Tommy John surgery or he does need Tommy John surgery. And this was such a problem. You know, I don't, I don't know if it was talked about, uh, you know, like what the conversations were here because he was moved up into the, in the lineup on, uh, right. You know, on in the game on the, four, he went from in, batting, I believe it was six, he went to three, three, fifth or sixth up to three. Well, yeah, so I, when see, did this conversation happen? It sounds happen? like he didn't have the MRI until after the series, and that's yeah, why I don't I'm, care about the MRI though. You're still hurting, like the player still but what feels if he did, it. What if he didn't tell them? I think he did. Uh, from what Boone was saying, that they they knew there was no, no, some no. discomfort. So the way I took it was that he told them about the discomfort Afterwards. he felt after that throw in game two. So apparently he heard it on a play in game two when he had to go out to left yeah. field to catch yeah. a carom off the left field wall. It was in the seventh inning because McCutcheon was playing way too close to the wall. It bounces yeah, back to Didi. It. And then he yep. threw it home. And apparently that's when he felt a, a noticeable difference, almost like a mm-hmm. pop. Yeah, and 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 I would think that at some point they would have had a conversation about that. You know, like, hey, I, Didi, uh, w- you know, would say, hey, like something feels weird, or I don't know, I I, I threw my arm out, or so. I don't, don't know. You think some some kind of a conversation would have happened if he told them that. I think they would have been playing Hechevaria. So Didi, I'm assuming, was hiding it from them. And he was just going to play through it as long as the Yankees were in the playoffs. Hiding, I don't think hiding is the right word. If that well, were the case, hiding, maybe he just, just yeah. downplaying it, maybe. Yeah, like oh, it's maybe not that he was bad. Down, I'm fine. He was, Don't worry. He could about have been it. personally downplaying it as well. Yeah. So it's a yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. I, I would definitely like to know you know what conversations happened, especially uh, because after that he did get moved up in, in game four into the three spot. And if you know that there's some discomfort on, on a guy that's um, that's still playing, like that's a, a highly questionable move. I mean, obviously in retrospect, when you're looking at it and, and you know that now he needs Tommy John and there's a tear, um, it looks bad, but. You're right. Maybe he didn't tell them at that time. Well, you can also still hit with it. Otani's hitting with it. 
you can hit with it, but right afterwards, you you, you got to believe Otani was sitting for a little while. Um, you know, there's some kind of a, a a time frame where scar tissue could build up and it feels a little bit better, but like a couple days afterwards, I got to believe it's still in pain and then they're sore. Cashman also threw out this little bombshell is that Didi had a partial UCL tear when they traded for him from Arizona and it was asymptomatic. So apparently this was like the final straw that popped the UCL. And, and on that one throw, it was like, oh, there goes my UCL. Fun having you. Got to have that repaired now. Well, I'm glad they, uh, this is what I said, man. I, I'm glad they found this now. I'm glad he didn't think it was just general soreness and then kind of didn't say anything. I'm glad they went for the MRI and they got it done because this is something that very easily, easily could have snuck up uh, into uh, spring training. Right. You know, if this was something that he just kind of like this, if, if this was actually like a, um, a, a tear, and I know sometimes for, especially for position players, cause you're not throwing like a pitcher, you're not overexerting the arm as much. You could definitely downplay something like that where, where, yeah, it's, it's sore for a day, but like maybe I just did something and then you're, you kind of give it some time. And if it feels better, especially when you're not playing baseball, if you're not playing baseball for a, a while and um, you know, he, he had let that go. It absolutely could have come back in a, in a really bad way in the beginning of the season or spring training or you know just when they're starting to warm up, uh, starting to get going again. Yeah, and it's unlike Glaber's when he had to have it to his left arm. And Glaber needed to have it. He heard it on a slide. Right. This is totally different. Didi actually heard it throwing the ball. Um, return time has ranged for an infielder having Tommy John surgery on their throwing arm anywhere from 6 to 12 months. 6 being very aggressive. 12 months being a long time. I think it does benefit him, though, that he's having the surgery in October with a full offseason to recover, so he's not missing extra game time in the middle of the season. He's going to miss spring training. He's going to miss April and May. But there's a chance he's back for June. Like, that, that June is a realistic slash slightly aggressive um, but could happen timetable. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of smack in the middle of the of the timetable, really. It's not overly aggressive, but... You know, it's nine, that's nine months. That's man. like nine months. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty close to smack in the middle. Yeah, the, no, no, um, it's no. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I think if for the, for us to sit here as fans and say we could see Didi back in June is totally doable. No, absolutely, and and you know he's he's missed time in the past. We've 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 been without Didi for a month in the, to start a season. Um, so this is something that's. Uh, that the team has, has, has done in, in the past. Granted, this is a different team than makeup. I mean, who knows what's, what the uh, infield is going to look like next year. Um, but it, it could be different. Who knows? I mean, there could be trades. Who knows? There could be people right. signed. Who knows? Uh, but it could the, look uh, a lot different in three months from now. It could. I don't think anybody expected a, a guy named Giancarlo Stanton to be on this team, um, you know, in December of last year. So, it could look different. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's promising the fact that, that it happened now, that they got it taken care of uh, or they're going to get it taken care of and and then you know he's got the the full off season in rehab and, and and get ready for the season so so let's play the um, game because we got a couple mailbag questions uh one of them from ryan barnes he says is cashman going to make any moves for a better defensive second baseman and shuffle things around with torres and gregorius because of the injury so as we have the roster now we know glaber is going to be on the roster next year does he move over to short or do the Yankees try and just have him focus on second and have a fill-in player at short until Didi's back? And it also does depend on how the surgery goes, how the recovery time is going. The doctors are going to know a hell of a lot better in December and January when Didi's going to return than they, than, than they do right now. Um, 
Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting scenario, obviously, because the recovery time is going to drive the, the decision, I think, the, for the majority of the time. One, they know that Gleyber Torres can play shortstop, and I think that's, that's a really good you know, piece to have in your pocket right now, just because of, because of that known quantity. Didi's what? Didi's le- next, next year is his... Yeah, last year. Last He's a year, free right? agent after 2019, so this is bad timing Huge. for Didi. Yeah, it's so and if this thing is is dragging on a little bit longer than um, than expected, and and there's this more discomfort or you know whatever were to happen, then then yeah, I think they they probably make that decision and they move Torres over to uh, shortstop and and try to focus on what they could do for second base. I think second base is a much easier position that you can fill in for. Yeah, than, I mean, than shortstop, Neil Walker, Hechevarria could Walker. fill in, Ronald Torres mm-hmm. could fill in. Like, there's a bunch yep. of players that you could find for second base to fill in. So I do think Labor will probably he's going to get time at shortstop in both or uh, in, in spring training on both sides. So I, I would I would probably expect him to prepare for both. Honestly, maybe this um, is just to make sure he's prepared. Maybe finally, this is Tyler Wade's opportunity. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Jesus, the um, but yeah, it, you know this is all dependent on how fast it come back. Uh, you know, and as long as everything does come back and, and he can come back healthy, because if this if this drags on any longer and you start getting deeper into the season and this is his last year. There's going to be serious question on what happens at that point because there's a lot of money that are, that are you know the Yankees are going to be shelling out to people um, that are that are on this current team already you know with extensions and if you're getting in the last year a DD that's not a um, that's not healthy and, and not you know maybe not coming back as as strong as you want him to be then you got to start thinking about maybe that there's a potential that there's no extension with him and you are sliding your, the Gleyber Torres is your long-term term shortstop. So I think there's a lot of things that, that are going to be determined by, uh, by this injury and how, how fast he can come back because I, I don't think they ultimately want to do that by any means. Like they want DDB to be their shortstop. I think they're a better team with DD there as their shortstop and Gleyber at, at, in second base. But these are decisions that are going to have to be made for sure. Yeah, and shame on Yankees fans who just instantly said, "Ah, who cares? We've, we're going to sign Machado now for shortstop. Doesn't matter." Yeah, like shame on you. Yeah, seriously, spoiled ass fan. But does it make Machado a bigger priority this offseason? I don't think so. I don't think that this this really determines much. If they were going to go after Machado, I think they were going to go after Machado anyway. And well, honestly. I would rather Machado at third base than shortstop anyway. Exactly. Yes, that was the point I was going to make, is that if if Machado was on the Yankees' wish list, it was going to be for third base, not shortstop. I mean, I would I would think so, especially because this or the um, the DD injury, obviously nobody knew about. So if this was something that they had already put thought into, and and you know they they said we're circling Machado as the guy that we want to go after, I think third base is a better position for him, especially as he's getting you know as he uh, if you're, depending on you know the, the term of the contract and um, how he can slide in there, uh, he's just he's a much better third baseman than he is a, a defensive shortstop anyway, um, and yeah. that would make a move where you could bring over. You know, Andujar and throw him over to first base. Right. I mean, hopefully we have mailbag questions about this. Hopefully Andujar can improve his defense at third base this offseason. But when you had Glaber and Andujar on the left side of the infield, it was ugly. It was ugly. And Didi kind of buffered that a little bit. I mean, Didi's a great defensive shortstop. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. He's a great defensive shortstop. And, you know, we've seen him be a very good offensive uh, player and shortstop. And, and you know, at times, um, you know, one of the better in the league. So this, it would be a huge, don't, don't I, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying here. I want Didi to be on this team for a long time. He's one of my favorite Yankees. But the Yankees have to look at this as 
a you know an organizational standpoint and a future. And if this injury is becoming more of a problem than they expect, then there's going to be decisions that have to be made. And and you can't go into um, you know future plans knowing that you're going to sign a guy that's hurt. You just you can't depend well, on that. What if the Yankees can get a little bit of a discount because of this injury? They go to they approach Didi and say, "Now we have all the leverage." Uh, yeah. We want to lock you up long term, but it's going to be a little bit less because you're on an injury now. And then Didi's sitting there saying, well, I don't know how healthy I'm going to be after 2019. So this is in my best interest, too. And maybe they can come on a mutual agreement for like four years or something, which I think would be ideal for both sides. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely a a scenario that that could play out that way. Uh, I mean, we were talking about we were wanting them to extend Didi last year or at least start having conversations about it. He's earned it. There's no doubt about it. But that was also before... Um, before Glaber came up and and we were positive. I don't think, I don't think Glaber. Yeah, but even with uh, if you have a healthy Glaber and a healthy Didi, we still I don't think that changes. Short and we still wanted Didi at short. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. He, he's such a solid part of this team, and and having the de- defense solid up the middle is just so important in baseball. Yep. Um, that you know if Glaber definitely had, I, I think. Look, I think Glaber's going to be much better second baseman next year. I think he's going to. Um, I think he's going to clean up. Do you think a he lot was healthy? The, the in the second half? I don't think he was fully healthy. He had those recur- recurring, hip was a recurring hip issues. Just I don't know something about it where he did not look a hundred percent healthy after he went down with that hip injury in was it July? Yeah, uh, end of July. I think. And that's sort he, of he when did, his season he didn't seem like the same player. That's when his season kind of turned around, turned for the negative. After that, he came back and he had spurts. But he wasn't the Glaber Torres we saw in May and June. No, no, certainly not. So, yeah, I think that that very well could have played into it. But, you know, you're looking around the league and most guys are banged up. But it, it does seem like uh, that he his, his second half was not close to his first half. There's, no. there's just no doubt about that. And defensively, like specifically talking about his defense, though, just as a young player, and I think Andujar is the same way. Like, I think these guys are probably going to put a lot of emphasis on this. They'll, they'll mature as they um, as they are, uh, you know, approaching this next season as well. And, you know, we saw so many dumb plays by by Glaber not being made. And then we see him. We see the skill. The skill is there. Like he can make the plays. It just seems like there's a, a lack of attention to detail at some at certain circumstances. And I think he can clean up. And then Andujar is more of a like a, you know mechanics footwork thing in my opinion. So the other bombshell from the press conference was Cashman coming out and just saying Sonny Gray's best interest for all parties if he's traded. Just bombshell, bombshell, utter honesty from from Brian Cashman, which we normally get honesty out of him, but yeah, maybe that maybe that was a little bit too honest because now GM saying, "Well, you have no leverage." It's I like your tweet, what you tweeted out, saying, "Well, this yeah. this smells of Sonny Gray yeah. requesting a trade." A thousand percent. The, the, so. Everybody is like applauding his uh, his his you know his honesty. Brian Cashman's always been a relatively honest GM. He's always kind of hit us straight with a lot of things. Um, you don't go out and just say you're going to trade a guy that that had a it's coming off of his worst season that was exposed in the media, exposed in the in the in major leagues, uh, came off as a, a whiny little baby to to everybody, saying that you know his stuff was still good when clearly it wasn't. You just you don't go out there and say that yes we're we're going to trade him. It just it puts you in a position where you have nothing to do. No leverage. You, you, 
you have, I mean, not like you have much leverage anyway, but at least, at least hold to the, to the vest that you're going to, you know, that this guy has talent and that you're going to fix it and you're going to, uh, and you're going to hope that he comes back as a, a player. Like even the fact that you are, are saying that you're going to keep him gives you more leverage than not, uh, you know, because he's still under contract. So you still do have the rights to that player, but by going out there and just saying, no, nope, we're looking to trade him right now. To me says, yeah, Sonny Gray and his agent went and said, look, this is not working out. I am a good pitcher, probably one of the best in the league. My stuff is phenomenal. <laughs> and I need to be traded so that I can show that elsewhere. Yeah. I, I don't like it here. You guys are mean. Your that, fans that are was, mean. That's probably the thing. He said, you got, you're being a meanie, Brian. Why, yeah. why are your fans so mean? Can you trade and, me, please? And then after this conversation, or probably before this conversation, said agent went and made all the phone calls, went yeah. through the Rolodex, flipped around and said, hey, by the way, Sonny's available for trade and probably peanuts. Let's go. Uh, well, you yeah, know that's he, happening. Well, I don't see Sonny Gray being man enough to go into Brian Cashman's office or oh, no, no, I said office clearly. and saying, yeah. um, well, this didn't work out. We need to make a change. How can we make a change? That this How can we fix this? All done, probably over text message. He probably texted his agent because he can't even get on the phone and speak to his agent about this because yeah. it's too sensitive. Right. Uh, yep. He's probably watching season three of Peaky Blinders. I, and I figured, think his wife. I think his wife called his agent. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what I think even better. Yeah. Yep. She I don't think he the, did. She it. Wears I think the he, pants uh, in that household. Oh, uh, definitely. There's just no doubt about that one. It was a, a casual conversation, and she she just said, "I'll take care of business." You think so. uh, Sonny Gray? So David Price. Um, you think Sonny Gray gave David Price some words of encouragement before before his start tonight? Yeah, that's 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 what what I would have captioned that picture. Um, we did the ca- I put a tweet that said caption this the David Price picture where he looks like he's getting shot uh, after Aaron Judge takes him deep. I would my caption would have been I should never have listened to Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's going to be extremely annoying, and I just want everyone to prepare themselves for it, is that he will be good wherever he goes. Yes, and against the Yankees specifically. So this is going to be Javier Vasquez 2.0. Javier Vasquez... 3.0. 3.0. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, as long as the Yankees don't trade for Sonny Gray in 2023 again. But Javier Vasquez left the Yankees and had some good seasons with the Braves and the Diamondbacks. Sonny Gray will go to a small market team. He'll be traded to... Where's he going to go? The NL? He's probably going to go to the NL, Pits- right? Yeah, I'm looking Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, San Diego, yeah. and... Um, maybe Seattle. Uh, Cashman loves trading with Seattle. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe Pittsburgh Sonny and San Diego are to definitely... The, to the great Northwest. Um, yeah, maybe Arizona. Right. And Sonny Gray will, will be fine. He will have a, a great career because he's a good pitcher. And that's why it's extremely frustrating because he was too much of a mental midget, too small. I'm not going to say he's a good pitcher. I'm going to say he has the talent to be a good pitcher, okay, but fine. he's not a good that's pitcher. That's fine. Whatever you want to call it. He will be good wherever he goes. I'm so certain of it. Yeah. I, I don't really care. If he goes somewhere, I, I, hope, I hope he has a miserable career. I hope he stays very healthy and just doesn't do well. Uh, on the on the diamond and then go somewhere else. He's annoyed. He he really, the fact that he has just mentally laid out the, just the biggest shit of all possible. Uh, you know, with what the Yankees gave up, it's just very frustrating. It's very frustrating seeing what he uh, what he's done. So um, I do not wish him well in uh, in his pitching career. Do you want to apologize for ruining his career for putting un, un, uh, unreasonable expectations on the man? No, you know what. Games? 
you know what? This all goes back to that. This all goes back to that. Um, I don't even know if we said this on air or if you and I were just talking, but uh, when he was on that R2C2 show, I, I just, I was listening to it the other day. Uh, they did like a, uh, like a best of, right? And they had him on and they were talking to uh, Voight or somebody. They were, I forget who was even on that show, but they were talking to, about who gets on you after a game if you're, if you don't do well. Like who's the person that you trust well enough or trusts you, or knows you well enough that can give you shit if you suck. And cause you know, there's always that person who will, who will ride you no matter what. And they're, they're like, they have the ability to do that. CC said it was his mom. Like mom's going to give it to him straight up every time. I forget who the other person was on the show, but they had somebody as well. And then see, and then they asked Sonny, like Sonny, who's the guy, the person that, 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 you know, will, will give you shit and hold you accountable no matter what. He's like, ah, I really don't have that person. <laughs> really, really don't have anybody who does that to me. I'm like, oh, there you go. In a friggin' nutshell, nobody says you're bad. Nobody, nobody questions what you do. Nobody holds you accountable. You don't hold yourself accountable. So how are you possibly going to live up to anything? I don't get it. I don't get how we got here. You know, well, he, I know how we got here. It was based off of pure talent, and that was it. And then, you know, th- at some point, you got to start working hard. You know how um, Jimmy Kimmel does those mean tweets where celebrities read mean tweets yes. about themselves? Well, next time Brian Cashman trades for a player, trades for a player from a small market team, he should sit them in a room and have have them read mean tweets about themselves and see how they react. <laughs> Just, yeah, and if well, they start maybe they crying should... or if they start hyperventilating, then don't trade for that pitcher. Or or we send in some of our beat writers or someone from the uh, an intern from the Yankees or they could give us a call. We'll do it to, to you know, talk to the uh, the beat writers for their former team because they would have told you they would have told you exactly right. what Jane, she does. Jane from Jane Lee uh, yes. said it right on the podcast. She was like, yeah, well, as soon as he was traded, I said, oh, oh boy, how's he going to deal with that media? Yeah. She specifically said and she, you know, we, we talked for a little bit um, after the uh, interview, too, and. She was basically like, yeah, like everything he's doing, he did. When he started struggling in Oakland, he started doing the same things. And sometimes it got awkward. I'm like, well, okay. So this guy has no idea how to handle failure. And that's that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. <laughs> yeah, for a major league. problem, especially because as a play baseball. Like right. if you play baseball, failure is a huge part of your life. It's built into the game. If it's built into the game. It, it's gonna be big problems. So yeah, just to so he do, he dominated in high school, he, dominated in college, dominated his first year or two, and in, in, uh, and then the major leagues, and then all of a sudden people started getting better. They saw a book on him. They they improved uh, what they had to do, and the things that he was doing that he was still doing before the same things wasn't working as well, and he just never tried to get it better. That's what I think happened. Yeah. Sunday Gray in a nutshell. One of the bigger disappointments, I think, uh, for a Yankees acquisition, whether you want to say trade or free agency in the last uh, 20 years, you bring in some guys that have big contracts. But did anyone really expect Jacoby Ellsbury to carry the team? No. We thought we were trading for a number one pitcher when they got Sonny Gray. That's the thing. It's expectations. We had huge expectations for him, and he, um, he took a huge, hot, steaming dump all over those expectations. Yep. And uh, as what is he's a big, I think he is a big part of what's going to happen in the offseason for the Yankees, what Brian Cashman does with this starting rotation. They have a ton of money to spend. They're finally under the luxury tax. They have $40 million before they even get to the first penalty for next season. Yeah. So they have the cash to spend. Machado's out there. Harper's out there. Patrick Corbin's out there. There's other pitchers that are out there. But Corbin, Harper, Machado are like the three biggest guys everyone is talking about. 
Every Yankees fan loves the idea of Corbin because he has said, I want to be a Yankee. He grew up a Yankees fan. His mom, his dad, his grandpa, everyone's a Yankees fan, and he had the best season of his career. He's only going to be 29 years old next summer. In 2018, he threw 200 innings to a 315 ERA, 11.1 strikeouts per nine inning, uh, 1.05 whip, and a 247 FIP. So he had a really good season at the perfect time for him. Do you want Brian Cashman to open up the checkbook and say, Corbin, what do you want? Let's bring you in. Yeah, I I, I think he's going to um, because I think he kind of has to. I, I think that's going to be the big thing. And, you know, we're, we're kind of touching on this stuff on, on the very, very surface right now because we're going to get all deep into free agents and, and, you know, different needs and things like that. And either next week or the week after, but in the, in the near future, um, we're going to be laying out uh, GM plans, Brian, or, uh, Andrew is going to be the GM of the Yankees and I am going to be the GM of the Yankees. And separately, we're going to build our own offseason plan, like fully out uh, free agent signings, who you're going to resign, um, people coming up, like every single thing you could do uh, that Brian Cashman is going to do. We're going to do that. So we'll, we'll definitely get super deep into that. Um, but yeah, I think that like on the on the surface, this is something that you see the, the best pitcher out there uh, and you need pitching. You have money to spend. You're the Yankees. This guy kind of wants to be a Yankee. It seems like it's a, a perfect marriage, honestly. Yeah, uh, Cashman is gonna, he's going to cost a lot of money, though. Yeah, Cashman has not given out a big contract to a free agent pitcher since 2009. AJ Burnett and CC Sabathia. Yeah, that was the last time yep. they extended themselves for a free agent pitcher. Yeah, so it's about time, right? <laughs> Ten years. Is it about time, or is it we know the track track record now and the new beliefs of Brian Cashman, and he does not want to get bitten? by a starting pitcher who is past his prime. Well, I mean, it's I, it's hard to say that this guy's past his prime. No, I'm not uh, saying he is. But with a longer contract. He doesn't agreement. want to pay him for six years when he's only going to get two two good years out of him. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how the uh, like what the rumors are of, of the, the length of this contract. Because, you know, we saw everything last year where the, the contracts were a lot smaller in length and money. Um, but that also could have been, you know, people saving money for 2019. The market, of all, the market, the market was, was shit last yeah. year anyway. And yeah, it was a bad market. And this year you've got Harper and Machado, who are the two best position players, and they're in their mid to late 20s. Like, we don't see yep. that normally for free agents. Last we're year, also they, waiting to see if Kershaw opts out or not. But Kershaw's 31. Um, He's still going to command. Keuchel is 30 or 31. Like, this guy's 28, going to be 29 next year. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying like there's there's a lot more options this year than last year. So I think that while we did see uh, a, maybe a slight di- a shift in the way free agency was working and and how people were spending money, I do think a lot of them were keeping some of the the money closer to the vest because of this year. It's yeah. a, the pool is just so much better. Yep. Um. Yeah. So like you said, we're gonna play GM. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get weird with it. You're gonna get crazy with it. We'll see. Well, uh, what type that... of guy are you in like your fantasy football, or your fantasy baseball leagues? Do you just throw out random trades, see what sticks? It depends to, to specific people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, this guy, like, oh, it's 2 a.m. He's probably drunk right now. He'll agree to anything. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I, I definitely exploit that. Um, I, I do look at people and their weaknesses and try to exploit that uh, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think right now if any of them listen to the show. I don't think they do. So that's good. <laughs> the uh, But no, no, I definitely do that. And then. 
So no, I, I'm not going to get crazy. Like I'm going to try to I'm going to try to do this with realistic. A, as realistic. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a realistic scope. This is not going to be a fantasy baseball thing. This is like legitimately. If I was hired today, like this is a, a, within the money and expectations and media, like everything. I'm going to try to try to keep it as as real as possible. And this will be but fun. No, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then after people hear it, they should say who would be fired first. <laughs> That's fine. I love it. Uh, you want to get into mailbags now? You ready? Yep. Jason Edwards at JLog76 says, why all the Miggy hate? Didn't he uh, Didn't he have fewer errors than Glaber? So Andujar did not play in game four. A lot of people pissed off about that. Errors-wise, yes. He had 15 errors. Glaber Torres had 17 errors. But Andujar, the advanced fielding metrics, hate him. Minus 25 DRS and minus 16 UZR at third base, whereas Glaber, he did have two more errors but he was only minus one DRS, which still isn't great. It's below below average. Zero is where you should is average and minus 7.7 UZR. So Andujar was <laughs> in defensive run saved 25 times worse. Yeah, no. And again, I think it goes back to what Glaber's error. A lot of his errors were just like very weird mental blunders or just casually misplaying something. It's it, there. I think Glaber's much easier uh, a, a much easier cleanup project. Whereas Andujar, I think, has some serious fundamental mechanical problems. The throwing, the throwing, and the like you said, the footwork, the transfer. The footwork, the footwork goes into the faster. throwing. He's so slow on the throw. And I were, do you remember that mailbag question we had where the Yan- where it talked about how few double plays the Yankees turned for starting at the third base position? Yeah, that starts because Andujar can't get rid of the freaking ball. Right. Well, and also, I mean, it, it all it goes from the ground up. If your feet aren't ready to throw, then you can't throw either. So uh, there, there was a lot of problems. Yeah, and casually he would throw from his hip. Uh, it was it just the mechanics were not good at all. So he's got a lot of work to do defensively uh, this this off season. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think there was like a ton of hate going on. Honestly, about it. I thought a lot of people were praising him because of his offense. I think mean, the guy is a, such a plus bat um, that. You, you, you start to forget about some of the defense until it starts whooping you in the butt and you get pulled in the sixth inning on, in playoff games. Like, that's a problem. You can't have your starting third baseman, who's one of your better bats, th- pulled in the uh, sixth inning cons- uh, consistently. It's just, it's, it's not what you want. It's not what you want. It's not how you, uh, you know, you go about constructing a team uh, to plan for your, your, all, your, you know, your, your stud third baseman to be pulled in the sixth inning. Like, that's not good. Do you agree with Boone not playing him in game four? Um, yeah, I, I think it was, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't hate it because he wasn't really doing anything with the bat. Uh, that was the biggest thing. If he was a hot bat, then, then I would have a thousand percent have been against it, but he really wasn't contributing, um, with the bat like we expected either. And defensively, he's just a problem. So I, I think he was, um, you know, as, as in a close game and you have Andujar on the bench, where is he best? at the plate and you could you could use his bat late in a game in a big situation well, they whenever didn't. you want to. They let Neil Walker hit in the ninth inning. He got hit right. by the pitch. Uh, but that's a good matchup. Neil Walker from the left side against um uh, Well that's Kimbrell. what I'm saying. Like if the situation were to to play out, like I understand that. Right. Maybe having if, him there maybe as a if, weapon. Uh, Walker had come up facing Price um or not Price. It, I always say Price, Sale in the eighth inning, then you might have seen a pinch hitter. Right. Yeah, I think you just, but you have it there knowing that you have a guy with, uh, that could come in and, and put together a good at bat. So I think it, I don't hate it. Like, I think something had to change, you know, yeah. and, and, and they were to do it. And you know that you're going to sub him out so early in the game that you're, you're already down a player at that point. 
Um, Walker so had almost, good at-bats, too. Walker... He did have good at-bats, so, yes. Uh, it's not like they really lost anything with playing Walker. I think, I think it, it tells a lot how the Yankees... Like you said, pulled him in the sixth inning in games and did not play him in the game in the last game of the season. I think that tells a lot about what they think of him at third base. Yeah, and it's and it has nothing to do with the bat. No, it's all based on the defense. He's a total liability, and it needs to get better, or else um, it's going to be another long season. Uh, yeah, defensively for him. Nunez was looking over him like, "Damn, that guy's a liability." <laughs> Uh, this next question kind of goes hand in hand. So Brandon Plunter says, which of the following scenarios for third base and left field do you see as most likely? Which do you see as the best option? Yeah, maybe some of this also can play into the, uh, when we play GM. But he says, number one, bring back Gardner, platoon him in left field with Frazier, if healthy, and keep Miggy at third. Number two, let Gardy go, sign a replacement like Harper, McCutcheon, etc. to replace him and keep Miggy at third. Number three, let Gardy go, move Miggy to left field where his arm can play up and sign Machado for third. Number four, trade Miggy for a starting pitcher and sign Machado to play third. Um, yeah, so I mean, I do think we should save some of this for, for the GM thing, but um, we'll talk about okay, it on well, more of a macro level. Do you see any of these as a realistic uh, thing that Cashman might do? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see them bringing back Guardy and and having uh, if Frazier were to to play healthy and um, were to be healthy and he were to overtake the job, then they would give him the job. I could see that happening. I think if Guardy were to come back, it's going to be uh, you know probably on, on like a they're not going to call it a reserve basis, but it would be you know if if, if Frazier is healthy, yeah, then he would be the guy if you if you were to come up. I, I could see that certainly happening, and I could still see them keeping Miggy at third base. I, I think that he can clean up the stuff. I think a lot of it is fixable. So, so I do think they they could keep him at first. So yeah, I think there's there's scenarios here that that would absolutely play into it. Uh, again, if they're looking at Machado, if Machado's a guy that they're looking at, um, it would be for third base. So then yeah, Miggy would have to do something. That he'd have to move, or they'd have to trade him, or or whatnot. But um, there's a lot of different scenarios, I think, with uh, with the whole Guardy and Frazier thing, and then and then yeah, third base. But if, if Machado is a real possibility, I mean, if they're going after pitching and Machado, there's that's just gonna be a lot of money spent, man. It's gonna be a lot of money spent. <laughs> they have it. Yeah, I mean, they have forty and a lot of, and a lot of long they, contracts. Forty million before <laughs> they even hit the first tax threshold. So we're talking about eighty million until they hit the top th- tax threshold. There's also going to be a lot of long contracts and a lot of other guys that need to well, be extended. Machado extend. is going to be ridiculous because he's only yeah. 27. He's going to be 27 next year. Um, am, I, am I correct on that? Ish. He's around there, yeah. But that's the thing. Like you, you got to look he, at like God damn. He he's going to be 27 next July. So yeah. So he's super young. And then you look. I mean, you know, there's a guy playing right field that's going to get a giant contract <clears> at some point soon too. Uh, and and. The money is not going to get less. Like they have to think about that as well. There's 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 other guys that are going to have to um, that you're going to have to put out money for. Uh, and, and who knows when Gary Sanchez comes back and has a phenomenal year next year. Then not, you got guys that you're going to have to extend at some point and, and sign to pretty big contracts. Um, so you can't be stacking up these ten year contracts. And they were able to do their goal of getting under the tax threshold. So now it's reset the reset button. Let's go. Yep. See what happens. Christian Dutzer at Christian Dutzer says, number one, will CC retire now? And if not, will he, and if not, will he retire a Yankee? So 
if he, I, see, I guess if he goes to another team, will he come back and retire a Yankee? Number two, is CC Sabathia Hall of Famer? Number three, will Sonny Gray make an all-star team and or win the Cy Young in the next three years? God, I hope not, unless he's with the Yankees, which I don't see it happening. Um, <laughs> I don't think CC's retiring. He's pretty much said he's not retiring. Um, uh, he's looking for probably a, another a one-year contract So you the think Yankees. he will play somewhere else? No, I I don't see. We're now we're getting into my plan too much. I feel like I'm getting. No, no, this I'm is not what you would do. This plan. is not what you would do. Say the Yankees do not offer Sabathia a deal. Does he? So take then, a yeah, deal I think he would someone else. Yes, because I don't think he wants to retire. Okay. Do you think uh, that that kind of throws a wrench into his podcast, though? No, I mean they just do it over. Yeah, it does because we do it over Skype. They could do it over Skype. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the, they have a they have a different thing where they bring in players like after the game. Yeah, Sabathia is really like, worried about his podcast. Yeah, I think I do because I think that's his next career. Yeah, I don't think he really needs to worry about that. He's made two hundred and fifty million dollars. No, I, I think don't think he needs set. to, but I think he wants to. I think he, this is something that he wants to do. I think he wants to get into the media uh, afterwards. So I think that there's definitely going to be some considerations there. I think he would take less money to play with the Yankees than than uh, than a lot of people think. So well, I think. Uh, the way the season ended and, and the way we saw him fade, because he actually had a pretty good first two-thirds of the season, but he really faded. If the Yankees bring him back next year, it's going to have to be on some alternate plan where he does not start the season pitching every fifth day. I don't think he can get through it. See, and that's and that's exactly why I'm circling him. Like, that's that's not something that the Yankees want to, want to do. They, with, with the way that this offense is, how close they are, do they really want to come in with a giant question mark uh, or do something weird like what we were just saying with a, with one of their starting pitchers? I just don't. I, I just I don't see that as an optimal plan. If they're going to do something um, in the in the back of the rotation and he's like the number five starter and that's what they're going into, it's still a big question mark. So I don't know. It's there's a lot of things to consider with him, um, but to me, like if if his name wasn't CC Sabathia and he didn't have the guy, like you're looking at what he. What he is, uh, you know, when he's pitching, he's talented and, and he can still pitch, but he faded big time towards the end of the year um, and, and you just can't rely on him as much. So um, do we want him another year older? Because that's just going to get worse. Does 52 get retired by the Yankees at some point? Oh, man. Um, I mean, they. I think they've... Uh, They've lowered the um, <laughs> big time the expectations or the, uh, the 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 bar for that. So probably does he make the Hall of Fame? I think he's gonna be really close. I think he's gonna make the Hall of Fame. I think he's gonna be really close. Uh, I remember talking about this what, a couple last year. I think he was right there. I think I think he will make it. I do think he will make it. Yeah, I think he's got uh, enough prime years where all of the the stat nerds can say, "Wow, look how dominant he was." And then he hung around long enough where he gets all of the he fills all the columns where he gets the, he gets a ton of wins, ton of strikeouts, a World Series ring. So, yeah. well, when you talk about one of the like, I always this is one of my big tests for Hall for Hall of Fame is um, in in the decade that they played where they were in their prime. Was he one of the dominant pitchers? And yes, he was. Yes, for. So seven solid for a long seasons. Time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think he, you know, he's in that conversation where you look at him and, and it, it passes the eye test as well. <clears throat> Trevor Barnes Hall says, is Voigt the man at first base or does Bird get another chance or possibly a totally different route and Andujar or Sanchez and or free agent slash trade at first base? 
Um, I, I certainly don't think they're going to go into the season as Luke Voigt anointed as the first baseman. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I definitely think he's going to be in play. Um, but I think there's going to be a competition. I think Bird is still hanging around. They're he's still going to hang around unless you cannot unless they are... kill that cat loving Greg Bird. <laughs> he's got as many lives as his hairless cat does. Unless unless um, Brian Cashman packages Sonny Gray and uh, Greg Bird in. Oh God, in that is selling low on both of those guys. Like someone's <laughs> to, uh, like, okay, I guess so. To the Padres and they dominate. Well, Padres just signed Hosmer for a million years. They don't need a uh, first baseman. There you go. You're right. So somewhere else, Pittsburgh. I don't know. If they have a first baseman. <coughs> so I don't know. They. Uh, I, I saw that there's going to be a competition. I can't see them going out and spending big money on a first baseman. I just can't see that happening. Mm. Uh, Enrique Escara Jr. What are the chances that Cashman and the Yankees actually go after a legitimate ace this offseason? Corbin has already been linked to rumors, but I'm talking about Bumgarner, DeGrom, Verlander type that can solidify the rotation for years to come. So this is really more less of a question about free agency. And what do you think the chances are that Brian Cashman uses the assets in the organization to trade for a number one starting pitcher like they thought they were doing with Sonny Gray? <laughs> yeah let's do over do over time um yeah i mean i think it's a possibility uh, i think there's there's certainly like that's the number one area of a dr- that needs addressing oh, is the starting pitcher totally. that like that's it that's it's clear as day so i mean while while i don't see i i, I think people need to just take the the word Degrom out of their mouth <laughs> it's not going to happen um I, you know bum is going to probably take a a, a ridiculous haul uh, and, and honestly, when you're looking at what the Yankees have in their minor league system and, and all of their assets, like everybody's coming off an injury, it seems like um, it, it's it's not the greatest time to do that, you know, at, at, at this point. Uh, so it, but I think that he's going to look around and I think we're, we'll probably see a move that that we wouldn't expect. I, I that's just kind of how Cashman rolls like he, he he'll go out and find someone that's, um, you know, nobody expected to, to make a deal and then and, and he'll make that splash. So I don't think it's uh, as obvious as. Everybody thinks it might be. I just thought of this question. If you could go back to last December, would you trade Andujar for Garrett Cole? Because Brian Cashman said no to that. I thought it was, um, was it Andujar or was it Andujar and Andujar? Andujar ended up being the sticking point. So Frazier was there, but Andujar was the guy that, that Cashman refused to trade. Right, but you're giving up both of them for, for Cole. I don't know if it was um, going to be both of them or if it was just that Let's just, okay, I, I don't remember the exact trade scenario, but say it's Andujar plus two other prospects not named Clint Frazier or Justice Sheffield. Would you go back and make that trade? Knowing what I know now? Um, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Cole seems like he's, he's <clears throat> spin rate. what he, he was. He quintupled his spin rate somehow. <laughs> well, so then maybe I don't make the trade because the um, spin rate would have been different in New York. Okay. Maybe. And he would have been tipping. And he would have been tipping pitches. Tipping pitches and, and low spin rate. That's what the Yankee yeah. starters are about. <laughs> Final question from Greg B at G. Good lead. Good lead. This is a professional segue. At G bout thirty five. If you had to fire one person, who would it be? Boone Rothschild or Thames? Actually, do we want to save this because we could play GM and fire coaches? Uh, yes, we in, can. In our plans. So I fully plan to. Is this a is this a big league tease right here? Yeah, this is a this is a this is a tease. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Um, I fully plan on, on firing a couple people here. Uh, I might fire up but some yeah. beer vendors. Shit, they took forever during the playoffs. <laughs> the the uh, you obviously weren't in cousin Brewski section. I was not. Those out. are better seats than I had. Well, there you go. Um, the uh, yeah, there's there's. I mean, it seems like they're bringing everybody back, but 
No, Cashman said they're bringing everybody back. I know, but when you look at what happened with the tipping pitches thing, like to me, that's that's one of those Big like problem. fireable offenses. Rob honestly. Child did not have a good year. When you think about, he could not fix Severino's tipping issue, and Severino totally fell off in the second half. And Sonny Gray is just a puddle. He's just a mush puddle. He couldn't do anything with that talent. Yeah, it's it's really hard to look at that and say, oh yeah, you're you're back no matter what. I mean, Boone's already he had the transition year, right? Like Rothschild was there, transitioned him in. Now he's in the system. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's a, a sure thing. And when you look at what happened with the pitching staff, not good, <laughs> not good. I don't I don't know how you can like look at that and be like, oh yeah, he's coming back definitely. Cashman loves him, obviously. It's Cashman obviously. making these decisions. It's not Aaron Boone picking his pitching I know that. coach and hitting coach. I know that. So as it as it, you know, it should be a, a group decision, but front office is going to make a lot of that. Well, Cashman's probably taking the input from Boone, but I'm not sure how much. Uh, if we're talking about percentages of votes here, I'm not sure how much percentage that Boone has on this. Right. Um, but thanks everyone who submitted mailbag questions. So a big portion of the off season episodes, which we're going to release every Monday, are going to be your guys' involvement, your guys submitting mailbag questions. So keep them coming. Um, we will try not, we're going to do our best this off season to not talk about the same questions over and over again. I think we may have fell in a little bit of a rut last year, um, for better or for worse. It's what everyone wanted to hear, but also it maybe got a little stale there once we kicked around the idea of should or should the Yankees not make this, uh, trade for the 50th. Well, last year, nothing happened forever too. It was the, it was such a weird off season in the sense that nobody was getting signed, you know, for, for such a long period of time that baseball didn't give us any other topics besides the speculation topics that everybody loves to, you know, to circle around and conspire. But you know, that, that's what it was for such a long time. Um, whether it's going to be the the same or, or different this year, I think obviously it's a very different offseason for the Yankees too. But uh, but Andrew and I definitely have some plans for uh, a, a lot of other uh, different types of shows too. And we're going to be bringing more people on, um, but doing some other things like movie reviews, uh, Yankees movie reviews, um, just like more fun stuff as well that that I think will uh, supplement some of the uh, some of the content. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the offseason um, content wise. Just a lot of different creative stuff that. It's impossible to do during the season because yeah, yeah. the season is so busy. Too much stuff happening. Too much stuff happening. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, guys, remember to submit mailbag questions, uh, subscribe to the show, give us a rating and review in iTunes, um, all that kind of good stuff. Scott, any last words? That's it. I'm ready to kick your ass in this GM battle, and uh, hopefully we can get it for next week. We'll, so, we'll release when we're going to do this. But yeah. yeah, maybe after we do it, then we put out a poll on Twitter to see who won. That's fine. Beautiful. I love it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.